0: Hey, welcome to the next episode of How Good It Is, a weekly podcast that takes a closer look at songs from the rock and roll era, and we check out some of the stories behind those songs and the artists who made them famous. My name is Claude Call and so's your mother. Hey, don't forget to check out the website howgooditis.com and the Twitter and the Instagram and of course the Facebook page, which you can find over at facebook.com slash Ow, How Good It Is Pod. Do I have a trivia question for ye today? You bet I do. So you all remember the good old 1980s when MTV spent a lot of their programming on the videos. Remember that? But of all the videos aired, only one of them is included in the Library of Congress's National Film Registry. What video would that be? The one video out of all of them from MTV that is now in the Library of Congress um, National Film Registry. And as usual, I have an answer for you at the end of the program. So I'm going to take you back to the first week of April in 1967. Okay, there were, these were the songs in the top 10, okay? (tries) Number 10 was Western Union by The Five Americans. Number nine, Something Stupid by Nancy and Frank Sinatra. At eight, you had the Beatles with Strawberry Fields Forever. The number seven song was For What It's Worth by the Buffalo Springfield. And meanwhile, Petula Clark held the number six slot with This Is My Song. The four tops were in the number five position and about to peak one slot higher with Bernadette. Number four was Herman's Hermits. With this track, there's a kind of hush. Beatles appeared in the chart again at number three. The song was on its way down from the top. The Mamas and the Papas cover of the Shirelles, dedicated to the one I love, was spending its second week in the number two slot. and at number 1 spending its second week out of 3 there was happy together by the turtles imagine me new i do i think about you day and night it's only right to think about the girl you love and hold her tight so happy together now, now some of these songs are balady in and- some of them are kind of poppy, and a couple of them have that folk rock feel to them. All of them are pretty solid songs, and most of them have um, endured in the land of oldies radio. I'll tell you what: that same week, this was like I said, first week of April, nineteen sixty-seven. I was only four years old, so these songs have always been part of my musical experience. So I can I can only imagine what it must have been like to suddenly have something like this come bursting out of your speakers. It wasn't the first single from the Jefferson Airplane and Surrealistic Pillow wasn't the first album from that band but this is the point where folk, rock and the counterculture announced its presence to the world at large but before that, let's back up about two years to another band called The Great Society now, I should mention that the Great Society was a pretty popular name for small-time bands around them because it came from something that uh, President Lyndon Johnson came up with as the name for a series of domestic programs that were designed to reduce poverty and racial injustice. And it's where we get our, our current Medicare and Medicaid systems from. Uh, at any rate, there were lots of bands around the country called the Great Society to the point where the band we're concerned with once played in Fort Worth, Texas, while another band with the same name played across town. At any rate, our band, The Great Society, which sometimes you'll see with a pair of exclamation points after both the words great and society, was formed in the summer of 1965 when a model-turned-singer named Grace Slick and her husband Jerry, along with his brother Darby, were inspired by the Beatles to form their own musical group. Around this same time, the original lineup of the Jefferson Airplane was also doing its thing in the San Francisco area and almost certainly had an influence on the Slicks. They brought in David Minor for vocals and guitar, uh, Bard DuPont on the bass, and Peter Van Gelder to play various other instruments like saxophone and flute. Now, the Great Society got a lot of traction early on in the San Francisco club scene, often opening for other bands, including Jefferson Airplane. Uh, They got some attention, and they managed to get a contract with Autumn Records. And while they were there, uh, they were working with Autumn's staff producer, a fellow named Sylvester Stewart. Now, does that name sound familiar? Well, you probably know him better as Sly Stone, who was still putting his own band together at the time. And the story goes that Sly walked out on the Great Society when it took them over 50 takes, 5-0, to record the song you're listening to now, which is called Free Advice. Free Advice was the B-side to this next track, which was also written by Darby Slick. Someone to Love, that was the original title, was composed by Darby when he discovered that his girlfriend had left him, and you can hear the despair and the alienation in this version. The Great Society got an offer from Columbia Records, but unfortunately, by the time it came, Grace Slick had caught the attention of the Jefferson Airplane and accepted their offer to replace their departing vocalist, Signe Tolly Anderson. Coincidentally, Anderson died on the same day as the airplane's co-founder, Paul Kantner. That was on Jan- uh, January 28th, 2016. So Grace's departure from The Great Society pretty much doomed that band since she was both the musical and, let's face it, the visual center of the band, and they finally broke up about a year later. For that matter, Grace and Jerry Slick broke up pretty soon afterward as well. So that was pretty much it for The Great Society. One single and they're done. But wait, you might say, if you're a music aficionado, you'd say that. You'd also say, I'm pretty sure I have a Great Society album in my vast collection of records. Well, don't worry, we'll come to that in a minute or two. Someone to Love, back with free advice, got practically no traction outside the San Francisco area. So when Grace Slick joined the Jefferson Airplane, she took the song with her and it got reworked into Somebody to Love, with some rearrangement of the verses and a little bit of a different tone. In the Great Society version, Grace Slick is more subdued and even buried a little bit deeper in the mix. But I think you'll agree, in the Jefferson Airplane version, she's way out front. She's almost menacing And the music is right there with her. The whole thing is just very in-your-face. Part of that, believe it or not, is because of Jerry Garcia, the leader of the Grateful Dead, who did some work on this album, including the arrangements for Somebody to Love. Now, he's credited on the album as a spiritual advisor, but he played on a couple of tracks, he did arrangements for others, and he counseled the band all around. There's the spiritual advisor part. Oh, and he came up with the album title, Surrealistic Pillow, because he once said that the band's music is about as surrealistic as a pillow is soft. somebody Somebody to Love was the second single from the album following My Best Friend, which failed to chart. But this breakout single climbed all the way to number five in the U.S. and number one in Canada. It also peaked at number three in the Netherlands, so there's one for the Dutch. And it's also been ranked as number 279 on Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time. You might argue that position, but it's uh, amongst a pretty good company there. And there's no doubt that it was truly the moment when the Haight-Ashbury-based counterculture made itself known to the world. To to okay, so let me get back to those Great Society albums. So Columbia Records, remember, had a contract with Great Society. What they didn't have was a band. But they did have some tapes of live performances from times that they played at The Matrix, which was a small club in a neighborhood in San Francisco called Cow Hollow, which is where Jefferson Airplane was the house band and one of the places where Great Society opened for the airplane. Got all that? So these recordings were released in a couple of different packages. One of them was called Conspicuous Only in Its Absence, and another one was titled How It Was. Then these were later reissued as a double album called Collector's Item in 1971, and a couple of times on Compact Disc. The first time in 1989 as Live at the Matrix, and again in 2009 under its original title. And then finally, a label called Sundazed Records released a compilation in 1995 called Born to be Burned, which has both sides of that single, plus a bunch of other unreleased studio tracks. If you're truly curious, Born to be Burned lists track one as the released version of Free Advice, but in fact, it's one of the discarded takes. Remember I said Free Advice was over 50 takes? That one, the one that was ultimately used, was take 16, with a fairly obvious edit at the end. So there aren't a lot of covers of the song around. Uh, Jim Carrey did a cover of the song for the movie The Cable Guy, and while it was actually released, it didn't chart. The only other one that's of any real note would be this one. This was the debut single of the German act Boogie Pimps, and while it's titled Somebody to Love, and, um, and Darby Slick has the writing credit on it, I don't know, it's really just more like a sampling of the original airplane version with a heavy techno backbeat added. It was a number three song in the UK in 2004, and it went to number seven in Ireland and went top 20 in several European nations. Okay, and now it is time to answer today's trivia question. Back on page two, I asked you to name the one video, one out of all the music videos that have been made that has been placed on the National Film Registry at the Library of Congress. I get the feeling that when you hear this answer, you're going to be all, of course, because the video that gets that distinction is the one from Michael Jackson's Thriller. For those of you who don't remember, the video was directed by John Landis and premiered on December 2nd, 1983. And in that video, Michael Jackson turns into a zombie, which pretty much ruins his movie date with a girl, and he begins dancing with a bunch of other undead dancers. And if you want to know more about the song, well, I'm going to direct your attention all the way back to episode number 15 of this podcast. And that's a full lid on another edition of How Good It Is, Hey, if you're enjoying the show, please take the time to share it with someone and maybe even leave a ring somewhere. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can email me at howgoodpodcast at gmail.com or you can follow the show on Twitter or Instagram at howgooditispod. You can also visit, like, and follow the show's Facebook page at facebook.com slash howgooditispod, or you can check out the show's website, howgooditis.com, where you might find a few extra bits. Thanks, as usual, to Podcast Republic for featuring the show. Thanks for listening, and I will talk to you next time around.